Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. So lament, kind of at its simplest form, is just crying out to God, typically in the form of a prayer, but sometimes it's just in the form of tears, sometimes it's a song, sometimes it's a piece of art, a poem. It's really just crying out to God. It's often impolite. Um, it's sometimes bitter, angry. All of your stuff, you're just pouring out to God before him. But part of what it means to be in a covenantal relationship with God is that we can express the full gamut of our emotions to him without fear, um, knowing that our cries and our bitterness and our anger aren't falling on deaf ears. They're falling on the ears of a loving, listening God who is actually with us in our pain. So I think sometimes lament just invites us into deeper intimacy with our Father. So we're not having to pretend like everything's okay. We're not having to rush through the pain and like get to the solution. But we're actually pouring ourselves out to God and moving into a deeper relationship with him through it. Lament's counterintuitive, right? Especially in the West because we want to like wrap up our pain in a pretty little bow and, and package it and, and preach a good sermon on it or something. But lament kind of asks us to be still. And even if the questions aren't answered, even if we don't move to a place of hope, lament says, God, I will trust you no matter what. Lament is about worshiping God you know, not for God and blessings, not for God and benefits, but God for God's sake alone. Lament kind of says, even if this doesn't go well with me, Jesus, you are still enough. And I will worship you. I will trust you. Not my will, but your will. So lament's an act of surrendering. Lament's an act of trust. And lament, again, is just an invitation to go deeper than we've ever gone before with our Father. Amen. Uh, that's a Christian author. Her name is Aubrey Sampson, and she's the author of a book called Louder Song. Louder Song. It's a song. It's a book about lament, a book about pouring out your heart to, to God. And if you are here this morning, you're noticing our service feels a little different um, because we believe that God calls us to praise him. God calls us to rejoice in his presence, but part of being covenant children of God also means that God calls us to be real and honest with him about our sin, about our brokenness, about our emotions. Uh, and so lament is a response that we are going to be going through uh, today. We've already done that in how we sang and how we prayed, but we'll keep that theme throughout our service uh, today. So get comfortable. We're going to be all up in our feelings this morning. Uh, and that's okay. That's okay. So if you've been with us for the last uh, couple months, you know we've been going through a series of sermons about being reconciled. What does it mean for us to move our church from division to unity? How do we move from being divided to being united in Christ. And over the last few weeks, some of the things that we've been sharing and talking about have been about sin, sin that is both individual and sin that is corporate. So we, we've talked about sin, 
And we've said sin is lawlessness or rebellion against God. We've said that sin can be action or sin can be inaction. So it's not just the things that we do. Sin can also be the things that we do not do that create division in our church instead of unity. We've talked about four specific sins over the last couple weeks. We've talked about racism, this idea that people are inferior or superior based on the color of their skin or biological traits or where they're from or their ethnicity and said that is rebellion against God. We've talked about sexism, an idea that says that men or women are created not in the image of God and co-equal, but that there is hierarchy there. And we've also said that that is rebellion against God. We've talked about ageism, talked about this sin where we give and defer to people based on their age. We listen or don't listen to others. And we've also said that that is sin. And last week, we talked about uh, classism, classism, deferring to the rich and forgetting the poor or making people feel like they are worth more than others based on their income, socioeconomic status, or the amount of education that they have. And we've said that that also is rebellion against God. Now, there are many other ways in which we rebel against God, but we've chosen these four because we've seen them play out at our church and we've seen the ways that these things have kept us from being united as the body of Christ. And we also look to the future and see ways that these things can keep us from truly being the community that God wants us to be, a community that is after God's heart. When these things, these sins are normalized, they keep us from being united to God and from being united to each other. So that's the first half of what we've been talking about. And now we're moving to a place where we want to see, well, what should our response as a church be to sin? What should our response be to sin? So you see the four things that we feel are important for us as a church to go through. Corporate lament together, corporate repentance, corporate forgiveness, and corporate reconciliation. So lament, repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation together. And today we'll be talking about lament. Lament, it's a word we've used in our service today. So what exactly is lament? What exactly is lament? So I, I really love the movie Inside Out. Inside Out is a children's movie, it's a Disney Pixar movie, and it's a story about this young girl, this young girl who goes through life and has like a lot of these emotions and the, the, the way they creatively tell the story, it's almost like there's a command center. There's a command center in this young girl's body, and it's led by the person in the center there called Joy. Joy, right? And so this girl is expected to always be joyful, no matter what happens, always be joyful. So Joy controls every emotion that this girl has. But you see that there are other emotions that she has. There's fear. There's disgust, there's sadness, and there's anger. And throughout the movie, it plays out and shows how this girl's emotions come to a very destructive head at some point where she just falls apart and goes into a place of despair because she's not able to express 
the full range of her emotions before her parents. Well, when we look at the book of Psalms in Scripture, what we see is people who understand what it means to express the full range of your emotions before God. Not just being happy all the time before God, not just being praising all the time before God, but really coming to a place where your relationship is so strong and covenantal with God that you're able to bring the full range of your emotions to God, knowing that God is a God who will not chase you away, but God is a God who will welcome and can handle every emotion that you have. When you look at the book of Psalms, a third of the Psalms we have, there are about 150 Psalms, so roughly around 50 Psalms are Psalms of lament. They have some sort of cry to God where the the person who writes the Psalm is saying to God, God, where are you? God, I'm broken. God, I'm angry. God, I'm upset. God, I am sad. Pouring out their heart to God knowing that God is a God who can take the emotions that they have. Lament is pouring out our heart to God. So let's focus on one of those lament psalms. It's a corporate lament psalm. There are many different types of lament psalms. There are lament psalms that are personal, but there are lament psalms that are also corporate. And so let's just look at one of those psalms, Psalm chapter 80. And I'd like to thank uh, my, si- my, my sister from another mister, Ellen Freeman, who put me on game with this uh, group called Streetlights. They're a group that puts the Bible into poetry and song. And here's their rendition of Psalm chapter 80. Let's listen to this. Psalm chapter 80. For the choir director, a psalm of Asaph, to be sung to the tune, Lilies of the Covenant. Please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock. O God, enthroned above the cherubim, display your radiant glory to Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. O Lord God of heaven's armies, how long will you be angry with our prayers? You have fed us with sorrow and made us drink tears by the bucketful. You have made us the scorn of neighboring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Turn us again to yourself, O God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. You brought us from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. You cleared the ground for us, and we took root and filled the land. Our shade covered the mountains. Our branches covered the mighty cedars. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea. Our shoots spread east to the Euphrates River. But now... Why have you broken down our walls so that all who pass by may steal our fruit? The wild boar from the forest devours it, and the wild animals feed on it. Come back. We beg you, O God of heaven's armies. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Take 
care of this grapevine that you yourself have planted, the sun you have raised for yourself, for we are chopped up and burned by our enemies. May they perish at the sight of your frown. Strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. Then we will never abandon you again. Revive us so we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. So that's one example of a lament psalm, Psalm chapter 80. And this is a psalm that's written by a man named Asaph. And Asaph is capturing the emotions of people in his nation as they've been sent into exile. He's capturing these emotions and he's bringing them to God. And these are songs that are sung by the entire nation, the entire people. They point to the kind of relationship that people in the Bible have with their God. It's a relationship of trust. They know that God is not going to smite them because they are angry or upset. They believe that God is a God who has a strong enough relationship with them, and so they can be raw, and they can be real, and they can be honest and saying that, God, here is how I'm feeling right now. Here is how my sin or the sin of my family or the sin of my clan or my nation or the sin of another nation is making me feel right now. Here's how this thing that's going on in the world is making me feel right now. Not void of emotion. Their prayers are filled with anger, with disgust, with fear, with trust, it's almost like a roller coaster. You read these psalms and you feel like, okay, one verse expresses trust in God. The other verse expresses joy. But then the other verse expresses anger and pain and confusion and fear and sadness. Bringing all of these to God. Because God is a loving father who will not chase us away. The biggest thing I can think of, an analogy and picture I can give is think about either a relationship with a best friend or a relationship between a parent and their child. Imagine if your child had an emotion or feeling that they had, but then they came to you and said, you know what, I'm feeling this way, but I'm not going to tell you about it because I don't trust that you can handle this emotion. I don't trust that you can take this. In fact, I don't trust that you can even help me. Or think about a best friend. Let's say a friend is going through a situation where you know exactly how to help that friend. Or you can provide a listening ear to that friend. But that friend tells you, you know what? The reason I didn't tell you is because I didn't trust that you could really handle my emotions. Well, church, a lot of times that's how we treat God in the presence of our brokenness, in the presence of our sin. We treat God like a friend who cannot handle our emotions. We treat God like a parent that we do not trust to actually do what's best for us and carry and count our tears. And in doing so, 
we do a lot of damage to our spiritual lives because we only interact with God when we are happy. Or we interact with God when we are sad, but we pretend that we are happy and full of joy, forgetting that God is a God who can handle all of our pain, all of our fear, all of our brokenness, all of our sadness. In fact, God can handle all of our disgust, all of our anger. Don't be afraid that God would smite you. God is a God who wants to hear that pain. And so as we think about where we've been, talking about the pain that we've experienced at our church and in this world because of sins like racism, sexism, ageism, and classism, our preaching team believes that it is important for us to not rush quickly to the solutions, but to lament. Lament the ways that these things have broken our church. Lament the ways that these things have broken our relationship and our fellowship and the ways that God wants us to be united, but these sins keep pushing us apart. And so we lament and we cry out to God because we know that as a church that wants to be united across racial and ethnic lines, we see the brokenness and the pain of places in our history and places in our present where we have looked to elevate one race above and against others. And so we cry out to God and we say, ah, this is painful and this hurts. We look at places in our church's life where we've not listened to the voices of our sisters. We look at places in our church's life where we've not elevated everybody in this community as image bearers who are co-equal and distinct and not interchangeable. And we cry out to God and we say, ah, because we see how it's affected our community. We cry out to God as we look and we see the many, many people in our congregation who are of a certain age who have left because they did not feel like this was a safe place for them to find relationships. We look at places in our church's history where we've listened to the voices of certain people and not others based on their age and their stage in life. And we cry out to God and we say, ah, God, we are hurt and we are broken and we're upset and we're angry and we're disappointed that we have not been a church for all ages. We look at our church and we see as over the years, we become more and more educated, which is not a bad thing in and of itself. But as that's been happening, we've seen that people who do not have a formal education or people who do not have a certain wealth bracket are no longer members of our church and do not feel welcomed here. So we cry out to God and we say, ah, God, we are hurt, we are broken, we are upset, we are angry, we're ashamed. We bring all of those emotions to God. Whether we cry out individually or corporately, we look to God and we say, God, how long? How long will you be angry? We look to God and we say, God, look at our tears. It feels like we're eating our tears. It feels like we are drinking our sorrow. 
God, how long? As we look and we wait for a new pastor, we cry out to God. We say, how long, O Lord? How long will this church that you love continue to wait, continue to search? How long will people on the pastoral search committee continue to give their time without us moving forward? How long? How long can we wait? We think about this and we bring all of our emotions to God. Whether those are emotions of pain and anger and fear around certain things that affect us as a community or experiences that we've had individually in our lives, the loss of a loved one, the friends that we look for on a Sunday morning but who are no longer here with us because they passed away or because our brokenness as a church drove them to other churches. And we say, ah, we're angry, we're upset, we're confused. How long? How long will our sins keep us away from God and keep us away from each other? So why is it important that we don't move too quickly? Why is it important for us to stick with lament? Well, it's because lament helps us to go deeper in our relationship with God. When we cry out to God, like a little child that comes to their parent and says, you know, I know you might even answer me this way, but here's what my request is. Here's how I'm feeling right now. See my tears, see my frustration, see my confusion. That deepens our relationship and our intimacy with our God. It shows us that God is not a distant deity out there to us, but a father, a loving parent who's intimately close to our pain and our sorrow and our grief. Another reason why lament is important is because as we talk about unity as a church, lament actually forces us to look for where the pain and the sorrow in our community is and to align ourselves with that. So it doesn't matter if you are a person who has experienced the pain of racism or not, or classism or sexism or ageism, as a community that is united by faith in Jesus Christ, what lamenting together does is it says, your experience and your sorrow and your grief around this sin, I am going to take that on. We're going to become interdependent. We're going to look for unity around this. Your sorrow is my sorrow. Your grief is my grief. Another reason it's important to lament is because when we lament, we truly tell the truth about how bad these sins are. We don't tell lies. We tell the truth. Racism is evil. It is sin and it is lawlessness. Sexism is evil. It is sin and it is lawlessness and rebellion against God. Ageism, classism, we tell the truth about these things. We don't hide them and we don't sugarcoat them. When we lament, it brings us to a place of truth-telling so that we can actually confess. Confess that as a man in this church, I've not done a good job of listening to the voices of my sisters as I lead. 
we confess and we say, you know what? This is really bad. It's as bad as it is because it is sin and it separates us from God and separates us from each other. And finally, it's important to lament because once we step into lament, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, actually starts to show us what we should actually be doing in the future. When we become present to the pain and confusion and anger and sorrow and grief, the Spirit of God works in those spaces, using all of those emotions to point us to a future that is different, a future of righteousness and justice and not a future of sin. Lament helps us to start to see the Christ-like action that God is calling us to. So it's important to lament. It's important even though it's uncomfortable. Lament is not fun. Lament is foreign because a lot of us believe that there are certain emotions that we can bring to God and there are certain emotions that we should keep away from God. And so we live our lives through a filter. We say, okay, joy, praise, thankfulness, let's bring that to God. But anger and sorrow and grief, let's, let's leave that out. God doesn't have time for those emotions. So we stuff them down and we hurt ourselves. But church, remember when the Bible speaks about sorrow, one of the most compelling images that it gives for Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Some other translations say in Isaiah 53 that Jesus Christ is a man who knows pain and a man who knows illness. That's the God we worship. That is the God we praise. And if our God understands grief and understands sorrow, then why is it that more often we don't bring those griefs and sorrows to our God? Jesus Christ, through his cross and through his resurrection, tells us that he understands our pain. He understands our sorrow. Jesus knows what you are going through. But the reason we bring those griefs and pain to Jesus is because not only does he know and understand, he's the only one who knows and understands and yet has not been consumed by those emotions to the point of committing sin. Jesus knows our pain. Jesus knows our sorrow. Jesus knows our lament. Jesus brings those to the throne room of God. Jesus, our Savior, carries our sorrows. By his stripes, we are healed. So don't be afraid of letting God know exactly how you feel on a personal level, but for us as a church, when you look around our church and you don't see some of your dearest friends, it's okay to tell God, God, I'm disappointed, I'm angry, I'm upset. 
this person is no longer here. When we look at our church, and we see that even though we are located in between two very different communities, our church does not reflect the community that's less wealthy. We can tell God, God, we're upset and we're confused. We don't know why. Help us find a way to make our church truly reflect the body of Christ in our radius. We can be honest and cry out to God, addressing him, laying our complaints before him, requesting his help, and expressing trust that he will bring us from our place of pain to a place of healing. So what is it that you're lamenting this morning? What's the sin that you're lamenting? Either because you've committed it against one of our brothers and sisters in this place, or because you've received it from one of the people that's supposed to be part of your family. What's the area of brokenness that you need to bring to God? What's the emotion that you need to stop hiding from God? Will you bring that to him this morning? Spend about a minute just for you to think about that. And then we're going to end our time before we go into communion with a prayer of lament together. As you lament, what are the things that make you sad about our church? What are the things that make you angry? What things make you upset? What are the fears you have about the future of our church? What are the things that are still confusing to you about this place? Cry out to the Lord. Bring all of those things to him. Because he cares for you and because he understands what you are going through. As you think about things going on in your life, what things make you sad? What things make you angry? What are the things that make you upset or afraid or disgusted and apathetic? What about your life and the future confuses you? Cry out to God because he loves you and he cares for you.
as we close our time hearing God's word, I want to invite you to whatever posture physically gets you to a space where you can cry out to God. For some of us, we might want to stand. Some of us might want to kneel. Some of us might want to sit. But we're going to corporately lament using some of the words from Psalm chapter 80 together as responses. So there will be a response on the screen. Um, I'll pray. And then after each paragraph of prayer, I want us to respond with this. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? And the second part of our prayer, there will be a second response. And that response is one of trust. And in that second response, we'll say, restore us, O God of hosts. We place our hope and trust in you. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. So let's start with the first response as we bring our laments before our God. Our Father in heaven, shepherd of this flock, city of refuge, the one who planted this church in this space, Lord, you are the God who has seen our church through many trials over the last couple decades. It is because of you that we are not consumed. So God, we bring our prayers before you from places of grief and sorrow. And we ask, O Lord, O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? God, we look at our church and we know that we are not what we used to be a couple years ago. We're not what we used to be numerically, O God. We're a church that has lost a lot of our members because of the sins of racism and ethnocentrism. We've lost many members because of the sin of sexism. We've lost many members because of the sin of ageism and classism. And our hearts are heavy, O oh God. We are confused and we are upset. Lord, we are angry and we are sad to see that happen in your body. And so we pray to you, how long, O Lord, how long? We get that first response. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? God, we've been searching for a pastor for a long time. We are confused as we walk through the process. We're frustrated by how long it is taking. Lord, many of us have differing opinions of the candidate that's been presented to us to consider. And we've seen how this can cause division in your body. God, we've had too many things happen to our church in the last two years that have caused 
the vision, and we've prayed and asked you to, to shield us and protect us, but it seems like we keep getting battered on every side by another thing, another thing, and one more thing that could potentially cause division. God, our church needs a break. So we pray to you, O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? God, our church has lost people through death. We've seen many from the youngest of us to the oldest pass away. We've watched members of our church die suddenly and through prolonged illness. And God, we just say our church needs a break. Our hearts are heavy with sorrow and grief for every member of our church who has lost a loved one. And we pray to you, O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? But God calls us to another response. Let's go to the second response. God, we bring all of these things to you. Our hearts that are heavy and confused. Our hearts that are in pain because we see the effects of our sin on your world and on our lives. And we pray and ask, restore us, O God of hosts. We place our hope and trust in you. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. God, in Psalm 80, you are called a shepherd and a vine dresser. And so we pray, God, that you would shepherd your flock better than any senior pastor can. That even without someone who is leading our church in that way, that our eyes would be fixed on you as the shepherd of your people. We pray, O oh God, that wherever our vine has been damaged and wherever we are not producing fruit, that you would step in as the chief vine dresser to bandage our wounds, to cut and to prune. Help us to trust your process, O oh God, and to know that you are a God who is reviving us even through the pain and grief and sorrow. So we pray to you, restore us, O oh God of hosts. We place our hope and trust in you. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved. Jesus, thank you for being a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. Thank you for being a God who has gone through pain and illness and suffering. Because of that, we can bring our prayers to you and know that you will revive us and restore us. And so we pray to you this morning, O oh God, Restore us, O God of hosts. We place our hope and trust in you. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved.
God, your faithful love is with us. And we know that you are not far from us in our grief. But you know our sorrow. You know our pain. You know how deep our sin has damaged your plan for bringing wholeness and flourishing and unity to the church. But God, you are also knowledgeable of the power that you have to restore and to bring us back. So God, we say with confidence that our sins are no match for the grace that we find in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And as we celebrate his death, his crucifixion, and resurrection, we pray, O oh God, that you would remind us to sit still and know that you are God. You will be exalted in the heavens. You will be exalted on the earth. You will be exalted at City of Refuge. There is nothing we can do that can mess up with your plan to call and equip a diverse community of Christ followers in this place and to send us out to make you known in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and throughout the world. So come, Lord Jesus, man of sorrows, who knows our grief and pain. Thank you for grieving with us. Thank you for never leaving us and never forsaking us. Jesus, we choose to trust you. Jesus, we choose to trust you. Yes, Lord. Yea, Janu. We love you. Thank you for creating space for us to bring all of our emotions to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.